Uh, if you would, please turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. And, uh, you know, today we're going to start from the beginning. And uh, what I want to do is really make an appeal to you, okay, before we even get into the practicals of how God's Spirit is moving in our lives, I want to go ahead and talk about the history of the journey of the Spirit. And if I could be presumptuous and say, this is good stuff, okay? Don't tune out here. I know you desire to be inspired. You want God's Word to have an impact in your life. You don't just want me to come up here and regurgitate a bunch of information. But again, don't tune out. This is good stuff. So we'll start here in Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1. You know, the Bible said, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, and you know, God is a very intentional God. He doesn't allow anything to be put in his word just because. There are reasons there. And for me, you know, I read these first two verses of the Bible, and I say, well, why the Holy Spirit hovering over his creation? What is it that he's communicating to us? You know, I believe in a lot of ways, well, not, not in a lot of ways, the fact is, or the truth is, the Holy Spirit isn't an afterthought. You with me so far? He's been around from the beginning of time. God's desire from the beginning of time was to have an intimate relationship with you and I. This is what he wanted. And, you know, we read about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and uh, you and I can't even relate to that. We're like, how amazing was that to walk with God, to be disconnected with God with no barriers, no kind of blockage of any kind to keep us from connecting with God on an intimate level. But, of course, you know the rest of the story. You know, by the time you get to the third chapter of Genesis, we had already messed up. Right? Adam and Eve were enticed by Satan. The scriptures teach us that the snake is what it says, right? They were enticed to really choose to live a life where they were calling the shots. In other words, where they would take God off the throne and they themselves be on the throne and call the shots. So Satan tempted them to dethrone God and they gave in to the temptation. And that's only the third chapter of the first book of the Bible. And the rest of the Bible, from Genesis 3 through Revelation, describes how God sought to redeem us from ourselves. He wanted to restore this intimate connection with him. So what did he do? As you read through the Bible, you will see he raised up a group of people for himself. And through them, he revealed in increment steps, uh, he, from the beginning of time, wanted to create or be set up in a way where he's an intimate connection with us. And some of the things, for those of us who read through the Bible every year, or any one of us who've read through the Bible, you know, you see certain things, right? It started with the Ark of the Covenant. God filled the Ark of the Covenant with his spirit, with his presence, right? Then he spoke through Moses and he gave them specific instructions to create a tabernacle. Designed specifically the way God wanted it to be designed. And there was a place in that tent 
called the Holy of Holies, where the, ta- where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. And God, when that tabernacle was put together, he filled his spirit in that space. Then we see later on, David, out of guilt though, you know, he was living in his palace, just chilling. Well, he had all that he, he wanted. Then he thought, wait a minute. Here I am in a palace, and God is living in a tent. He was convicted. So out of guilt, he suggested, and he, re- he made a request and said, God, I want to build a temple for you to reside in. And initially, God just really challenged the idea and said, look, David, you don't get it, man. I- I'm bigger than what you understand. Earth, I created earth. It's like a footstool. You know, when I sit on the couch, earth is like the footstool I put my foot on. He said, and I think what God was doing was really hinting to David, you know, what, I'm tra- what I've done with the ark in the tabernacle, it's a shadow of what is to come. I am much bigger than that. I can't be contained in a man-made temple. This is what he was explaining, helping David to understand. But he agreed with David. He said, okay, go ahead. Let's have the temple built. You design it, but I'll have your son Solomon build it because you're a man of war. And Solomon built the temple. And of course, as you read through the the Old Testament, you see when the temple was built in a very magnificent way, God filled the temple with his spirit. I mean, those who were there realized it and saw it and they were amazed by what God has done. And again, he agreed with David to do what David wanted, request of him to do, to do for him rather. But again, it was just a shadow of what was to come. It was not a permanent place for God to live. It was just temporary. You know, the Holy Spirit living in us is what God has always designed and wanted to happen. You know, there's nothing on earth that can be built that can contain God's spirit. Only our bodies that are made and created by God. Because that's the truth. You and I didn't, we were created by a man. God created you and I. And it's only in our bodies can God be contained or live through his spirit on our time here on earth. And even that is just only part of what God is looking to do. So our bodies were put together by God himself, again, which make them the most suitable home for the Holy Spirit. Thank you. So why has God done this? And what does he expect from us? If you would, please turn your Bibles to John chapter 14, and let's get into the text there. So what is it? Why did God go through all of this, move through history, work through a group of people, created this foreshadowing of things to point to a time where he would live in in us. Why did he do all of that? What's the point? So in John chapter 14, verse 15 here, we'll start reading there. It says, if you love me, this is Jesus speaking, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. 
but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. God doesn't want us to be alone. I will come to you before long. The world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I, li- because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one whose love, who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. So what is Jesus communicating here? And I encourage you, go back, read the entire chapter 14, read chapter 15. And this is as he was helping his disciples to understand, I have to go and ascend into heaven. My, what you see, I wanna, the plan is to send you an advocate, to send you a guide, to send you a counselor that, that will reside in you, the Holy Spirit. You know, God wants to be with us so he can provide for us. This is why he did it. And I want you to think of something real quickly. You know, we use the term absentee dad. Nobody wants to be an absentee father, right? Think about it for, for, for a moment. Why? Why doesn't a person want, why don't, as a father, why don't I want to be an absentee dad? Take a sip of water while you think through that. But the reason why, because, you know, the way that we can provide for our children is we've got to be present. We've got to be there with them. You know, we want to be available to them. Some of you, maybe you grew up with a father, but you know what, it's, what it means to have a physical parent there, whether it be a father or a mom, but yet they're not available to you emotionally. God doesn't want that for us. God wants to be available for us emotionally and in all ways. He wants an intimate relationship with us. He wants to be present in our lives. This has always been his plan. You know, the spirit in us is looking to provide for us what we need on a deep level. You know, when I think about uh, our region, and Marty alluded to this in his prayer, I think what God is doing currently in our region, he's really the spirit, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is really trying to provide comfort to a lot of us. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because it, it's true in the last couple weeks here, I mean, the members in our region here have experienced just the number of death and loss in their, in their families. You know, we're currently praying for our sister Jackie Jackson and uh, her grandmother Ada Barksdale for their loss of relative, two, not just one. Of course, we're praying for Zyshawn and DeAndre and uh, Trey Murphy, three teens here with us. Their mother, Shaniqua uh, Gibbs, who's a disciple in the, in the married ministry here. We're praying for them because of the tragic loss of their father. Happened recently. And of course, we're also praying for Paula Donato's cousin. We're praying for Joyce Sinnott uh, for the loss of uh, her grandmother as well. And I just feel like, you know, God knows this. God's not unaware. The Holy Spirit knows what is happening in our lives. And this is the reason to be able to provide us with the comfort that we need. 
You know, about a month or so ago, uh, Shar and I, we received the text from Shar's cousin. This is the uh, same year and the same month. And uh, the text explained that her father had only, the doctors were giving him six months to live. He uh, was diagnosed with prostate cancer, and he was in a nursing home waiting for time to die. And uh, Shar and I, we were away visiting relatives in New Jersey, so we came back and uh, we thought about, okay, we need to go and visit uh, her uncle. So we set plans, we put on the schedule, we had, we had a dentist appointment over in Plano, and since the nursing home is also in Plano, we thought it would be the best time to go ahead and visit her uncle. And this was about three weeks uh, since the doctor gave, this, uh, gave him six weeks to die. And so the time came for us to go and visit with him, but then the dentist appointment was, was canceled. So I thought since the dentist appointment is canceled, we'll also push the time to visit with her uncle. Uh, and since we'll, we'll try and get to Plano for another reason, in a couple of weeks, we'll do it then. And so uh, this is what I changed our schedule. And I thought, okay, we're, we're not going to go ahead and visit her uncle at the time. So then the day came, it was on a Monday, came and Shar came to me and she said, I know you changed the schedule, but I'm feeling like I need to go and visit my uncle. And, uh, and of course, I wanted, to, I wanted to be honest with what I was thinking, so I said, okay, uh, man, we are going to be in that area in a couple of weeks. Why don't we go ahead and just visit him then? And, uh, you know, again, it wasn't the pri like that wasn't the primary concern of mine, the, the gas money or anything like that, but I thought about it. And I wanted to be honest with her and talk, let's just be realistic, let's just kind of work through this here. And so she... Uh, I said, but, and again, I felt the, the, the nudging in my heart. I said, but you know what? If you feel like you need to go, I'm okay with it. You go ahead, and then in a couple of weeks, we'll go again along with the girls, and I'll be there, and I'll be able to see him. And uh, then she left. She went there, visited her uncle. And uh, when she got there, you know, he was asleep. She saw him on the uh, machines they had him on. And, but she could see that he was still breathing, but he was asleep. She was able to call her cousin and say, look, listen, I'm here visiting with your dad. He's sleeping. I, you know, just wanted to let you know that. And she left and came back. Three hours later, we get a phone call that our uncle passed. Now, God knew that was going to happen. And I know my wife. I know if Shara had, if her uncle had passed, and she hadn't made that trip and made the effort to see him and to communicate and show her cousin that, look, I want to be there. I want to be a support. It would have eaten her up. And I've only known her for 16 years. If I know that about her, God's spirit knows that about her. And I do believe God wanted, the spirit wanted to encourage her. And really help her deal with this situation and be an encouragement to her cousins. And you know, this is not just this grandiose thing that needs to happen in our lives, but those of us with God's spirit in us, this is what he's constantly looking to do, which is to lead us in the way that God calls us to be led. He's always working. He's always tugging. He's always nudging at our hearts to make sure that we're going in the direction God is calling us to go. Please turn to Galatians chapter 5. So if that's why God's doing it, what does he expect of you and I? Right? 
if he wants to provide for us, if the Holy Spirit is in us to provide guidance, comfort, right, correction, whatever that it is that we need, what does God de- desires of us? You know, in Galatians, and I have uh, on the screen, we only have ver- uh, verse 25 there, but I'll go ahead and read a part of verse 16, right? Uh, see, that's what happened when you just rely on the screen and you don't have your Bible in front of you. The Spirit moves me in a different direction, and you don't benefit from it. But you know, in verse 16, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And jump into verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. Now get this, verse 25, where I want you to focus. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So since God has placed His Spirit in us, since you and I have the faith, we do, we understand when we repented of our sins, when we got baptized, that you know what? God placed His Spirit in us. Since we have that faith, what we're called to do is to keep in step with that spirit. And you know what that means? You know, we talk about lordship all the time, following Jesus. I have decided that Jesus is Lord of my life. Well, the way we truly do that is by keeping in step with God's spirit in our lives. You know, if we're not paying attention, if we're not in tune with where the spirit is leading us, it becomes virtually impossible to, make, to, to really live a life where Jesus is Lord of your life. So how do we do this? He is in us, so we will walk by, by his di- direction. That's what he wants. So how do we do this? We know that the Spirit knows the mind of Christ, and Christ promised that the Spirit would teach us all truth. So how do we walk? And what I want to do is use the remainder of my time this morning to give you two passages of Scripture that's worth committing to memory because this is what the Spirit, okay? Again, I think these are two great passages of Scripture. And I'm working on on really memorizing them because, again, on doing so, we can recognize where the Spirit is leading us and how to keep in step with Him. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 27. Now, here's what the scripture says here. It says, and I will put my spirit in you, and get this, and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. That's what God says, right? This verse for me, it reminds me to expect direction and prompting from the Holy Spirit. Like, I've got to expect that. Because God put his spirit in me to move me to follow him. Not to force you to follow him. Not to overwhelm you, overpower you to follow him. But in a very subtle way to move you to follow him. Many of you know that I I was born in Haiti and I lived there for 10 years. And you know, the two major religions in Haiti is Catholicism and voodoo. And uh, you know, the voodoo part can be misunderstood sometimes. And again... It does have some of the bad elements you've heard about. But the the heart of it is to be able to honor your ancestors, those who came before you. 
But with like everything else, you have people, and it also involved witchcraft as well. So you have people who use this for their gain in a lot of ways. And so there's always, there was always talks as I was growing up about being demon-possessed. And uh, we had a couple members in our family where they were demon-possessed, is what we grew up understanding. And one uh, cousin in particular, you know, she would, and it would just come all of a sudden, she would, you know, throw herself, she start just kind of uttering stuff and saying different things. And uh, the, the entire time I was growing up, I understood this is what's going on with her, where this spirit would just take over her. And she's just moving around and doing stuff that she would not otherwise do. And one day, uh, somebody stole, and I can't even remember what the item was, but stole one of my grandmother's items. I, I forgot what it was. And so my grandmother, and I believe she was kind of on to this cousin before this time. But the minute she said, you know what, whoever stole this item, I'm going to find out today. And my cousin, again, the spirit came. Roll! She just... She's all over the place. So my grandmother didn't buy into it this time. Because what they say is that if the spirit comes on you, overtake you, you are, you're possessed, and the, the, the goal of that person is the spirit is to try to get you to this witch doctor who's put the spirit in you so that they can either kill you or do whatever it is they're looking to do. So that person is always trying to go. So usually what we do is we take my cousin and put her down and make sure she doesn't go anywhere. But that particular day, my grandmother said, open the door, let her go. Let her go ahead. So the door was open. She ran out the door. But about an hour after that, there was a knock on the door. Knock, knock. I had a very frank conversation with her. Give me what you took from me. And she had, she had the item. And, you know, growing up there, I, I, this is my experience has been certainly... There are the embellishments, right, where people do stuff like that. But I have seen some stuff, too, that I, can't, I cannot explain. And I only chuck it up to the fact that the scriptures say and talk about demon possession, that it happens. I know that it's in scripture. But, you know, when you think about a demon possessing someone, they overpower them and they take them and make them do what they want them to do. And certainly God's spirit is capable of overpowering us. We've seen that happen through uh, the, uh, the King Saul, where the Spirit took him and led him to prophesy. But when you read through Scripture, God isn't trying to control us. But His Spirit in us is trying to prompt you and I. It's trying to move you and I to act in a way where we please God and we're righteous. This is what He's doing. We cannot keep in step with the Holy Spirit if we're not expecting or looking for direction from him. You can't be a disciple of Jesus and say the Spirit of God lives in me, and you're not expecting that daily, that there's some direction and there's some prompting that is coming from the Spirit. It's impossible. He is communicating to stop and listen. You will miss it entirely. You know, one way that the Spirit communicates with us is by gently putting ideas in our hearts. You know, it could be the thought to call someone and see how he or she is doing. Perhaps it's an uneasy feeling about a bad decision you're about to make, where you can't sleep. You wake up and that thing is in your head. It's not going anywhere. 
Or maybe it's a constant tugging at your heart to be open and transparent about a sin you're involved in. God's Spirit knows that. He wouldn't love us if he just let us live in sin and continue to go down this path. There's a way in which the Holy Spirit is trying to tug at us daily to help us do what's right before God. You know, what do you do with those impressions? When they're on your heart, what do you do with them? You know, if you're not expecting the Holy Spirit to place the thoughts there, you will most likely blow them off. Right? You're not expecting that. Yeah, you say God's Spirit lives in you, but you're not living as if he's prompting you daily. And so the prompting comes, and you blow it off. Guys, we can get so dull in our faith, that's what we do. We're not sensitive to the Spirit prompting. We're not expecting it. Often, things God put in our hearts are not obviously spectacular, but just small hints, and it's up to us to look into it. That's how we keep in step with His Spirit, right? And this is what happened, right? Oftentimes, we dismiss these things because we're not expecting them, and we find out that the person we thought about calling did have a need. And then we say, oh, man, you know what? Something told me to call you. Yes, something did. The Spirit of God did. Or we think even we're surprised by it. They're like, amazing. I had the thought to help her out, but I didn't. But again, if we're not expecting it, it's easy to blow it off. But this is why God has placed his Spirit in us, to guide us, to direct us, to give us the counsel we need. So we have to be folks that expect that the Spirit will do this in our lives. You know, this doesn't make us a horrible person when we miss the prompting of the Spirit. But it does reveal that you're not expecting the Spirit to direct you. And I don't know if you're just, okay, well, at least I'm not a horrible person. (laughs) I don't want to be horrible either. But you know what? I want to be expectant when it comes to God prompting me. So if we're missing or blowing off the impressions that God's putting in our hearts, we are missing what God is looking for, to do with us and in us. Brothers and sisters, we have to be men and women of faith who are cert- certain about the Holy Spirit prompting us and therefore live expectant lives. Every day you wake up, where to next, Spirit? What, to ne- what, what should I do next? Where is it? What, what is it that God is working in me to help me understand What truth is he trying to crystallize for me? We have to be men and women with the type of faith that expect that from God. You know, the second passage I'd like for you to turn to is 1 John chapter 4. Starting in verse 1 there, it says, uh, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have come out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist 
which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You know, John, as he's writing here, he's and he was dealing with specific issues there in that church. And basically, he's telling them, look, you've got to test these things you're hearing and you're thinking. And in the way, he's telling them to test, you've got to test it against what you know is true. Because you don't want to follow or keep in step with a spirit that's not God's spirit. You don't want to do that. And for me, these three verses remind me to test the impressions placed on my heart against God's word to make sure it's from the Holy Spirit. We have to. You know, although we've been saved by God, his spirit lives in us. We, our sinful nature is still there, guys. In addition to that, we live in a world that we're bombarded by temptation to do things that are contrary to what God is calling us to do. And so you better believe it that there will be a proud godly, and that will not lead you in the way God wants you to. I don't know about you, but I'm prompted to do and say a lot of things in a given day, and not all of them lead to godliness. And maybe I'm the only unspiritual one. But it's there. In order to keep in step with the Spirit, you need to be able to decipher which one is the Holy Spirit. What is it that God is putting there? Not just the way of the world, not just even brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, because sometimes we can miss the prompting of the Spirit because we're trying to people please. But which part of it is from God? We do that by testing it against Scripture. That's how you do it. You have to. If you sense the prompting to do or say something that causes you to disobey Scripture, let me tell you right now, it's not from the Holy Spirit. If it's going to, whatever it is you're thinking about doing, if it's going to cause you to violate what God says in his word, it's not from the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm reminded of uh, a couple years before we moved here to Texas. So this was around 2009, 2010, and I can't remember exactly which year. I was studying the Bible with a young man, and I remember the two times we met for a Bible study was uh, at Wendy's on Bloomfield Avenue in Bloomfield, New Jersey. You don't care about that, but I'm just trying to tell you. This is, I, want, I want you to know this is not just a uh, sermon analogy, but this is something I've experienced, right? So the first time we got together, and I don't remember exactly what we were studying out, what topic. I know it was the earlier on in us studying the Bible, so it must have been something around making the Bible your standard, or maybe even uh, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And uh, so after we studied that one time, the young man disappeared for a couple weeks. I didn't see him for a couple weeks. Tried tech calling him, nothing. I didn't hear back from him at all. After those two, that two-week period, he, he got in contact with me, and we set up to meet at Wendy's again. And we sat down, and of course, I wanted to know what happened to you. Like, you were gone for a couple weeks. And then he went, proceeded to tell me, he said, you know, uh, I thought about what you shared with me. And he said, the Spirit put it on my heart that I needed to reach out to women in strip clubs. <laughs> now, I, I knew what his intention, I knew what his intentions were because we had talked about how this is a struggle of his. This is a sin that he had been committing. So I said, look, I guarantee you that's not 
And, and he explained to me, he went on and he explained, he said, and I was really, um, I was really um, distraught by the fact that I invited one of the young women to come and study the Bible. And uh, she said she would come, but she didn't come. I said, bro, she was probably laughing at you because you're confused. This is not the place to go and reach out to someone. Why? It's because obviously there's a lot there that will tempt you to violate God's will for your life. But sometimes that's how we can do. We can have an impression. We know it's, it's, it's really off from what Scripture teaches. But then some people, you know, we'll proceed. That's foolish. You know, we need to make sure that what's in our hearts and the things we're looking to do is from God. It's from his spirit living in us. Why is that? Well, you must understand, you know, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, you don't need to turn there, but definitely take a note and read it, that scripture was written by individuals who were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So there's no way the Spirit of God will have one thing written in the Bible and tell you something different. It ain't going to happen. So we got to test what we believe is put on our heart by God's Spirit against Scripture. Consider these other facts. You know, Jesus and others credited the Holy Spirit with what is written in Scripture. You know, many times as you read the, the, the New Testament, the writers of the New Testament would say, the Holy Spirit says, and they would quote a passage from the Old Testament. Jesus, in talking, he would say, you know, David, speaking in the Spirit, said this. And again, the Spirit is very well aware of what the Word of God says. He wrote it, for goodness sake. So he's not going to tell you one thing that's different from what he has in the Scriptures. Consider this other fact. Jesus is the living Word of God. And the Bible makes it very clear that the Spirit knows the mind of Christ. This is his Spirit. He described in what the, the chapter 14 of the book of John, what we read, that the Spirit will tell you all things that I have taught you. So there's no way that the Spirit is going to tell you something to do something that goes against Scripture. It is virtually impossible. So the more familiar you and I are with Scripture, the more in tune we will be with what God's trying to do in our lives. You and I will be able to recognize the prompting of the Spirit so much quicker because we know his word, we know what he says, and we can do that. The more you understand the Bible, the closer you walk with the Spirit and follow in his steps. It's impossible to do that if we're not testing the impressions in our heart against what Scripture says. You know, as I wind down to a close here, um, I want to remind us, yeah, let's be people who expect God to guide us through his Holy Spirit. And let us also be people who test what the Spirit put on our hearts, or test what's on our heart, rather, against Scripture to make sure that it's from the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, the Word of God says is that we should be people that count our days. You know, every day you live, count it. And uh, I've been doing something similar, not exactly that, but I think it has the same effect. Since I moved here to Texas in 2010, I've been paying attention to how many funeral services I've attended. And in the seven years I've been here, I've attended 23 funeral services. 
And uh, really, the thing I've been doing is trying to figure out, God, I know that, you know, death happens. It's a part of life. And all over the scriptures, God helps us to understand that that's the case. But what is the lesson that I can learn from this? Because this is more funerals than I've attended, you know, in, in one period of time, like a seven-year period of time. And uh, I've always understood or had a fair understanding that life is precious. So I, I, I don't know necessarily if that's why. Uh, but the thing, as I was thinking about it, the different funerals I've gone to, I've gone to funerals for young kids, toddlers. Uh, this is in the last seven years. I've gone to funerals certainly of older men and women who died of old age, some who were my age, some who were much younger than I was. I've even gone to a funeral service for someone who was murdered. You know, she was living her life, had no idea this was going to happen, and it happened. And I thought, you know, one of the lessons is that, you know what? I don't have all the time in the world. We don't. You know, I need to live my life understanding that I don't know when God will call me home. And that's the same for you. You have no idea. Things can happen that death is. It still has an emotional sting. We still have to mourn. We still have to be able to deal with it. And thank God he's put people around us to help us do that. But I think the lesson is we don't have all day. So when will you decide to keep in step with God's spirit in your life? When will you get better at doing that? Will you start living in a way you're expectant? Maybe you say, look, listen, I'm not even a Christian. I don't consider myself a Christian. But I think it's really learning. What does that mean? And making the decision to repent of your sins and be baptized so God's spirit can live in you. That's what God desires for you. Therefore, you can have the counselor and the guidance that you need to be able to live this life. But for those of us who have God's spirit in us, imagine the level <coughs> of impact that you, that you, your children, your neighbors, coworkers, spouse, and also this fellowship will experience if you make the decision today to keep in closer step with the spirit of God who lives in you and who desires to do so. God is not in there, you know, begrudgingly. He wants to be there. Imagine what the impact would be if we made a decision that every day we'll expect the Spirit to guide us, and we won't be foolish. We're going to test it against Scripture, what is on our hearts, and make sure it's Him, so that that way we can please Him in all that we do. Brothers and sisters, friends, I, I do, I, I love you, and my heart this morning is not to, you know, beat us over the head, but it's really to encourage us to understand we don't have all day. We need to be men of faith who understand the Spirit lives in us, and let's keep in step with him. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we are so thankful that you're not an absentee dad, uh, that you've given us your very spirit to live in us. Uh, I do pray this morning that we'll be men and women as we walk.